Okay, so today we are concluding our series. Man, I hate series coming to an end, all right? This is one that I have enjoyed. I have thoroughly enjoyed, right? I've had so much fun with Purpose Over Preference. Have you guys had a good time? Why? Because we got to understand, you know, from the life of David, a real person. And I love that, a real person that made real mistakes, you know? And, And that's someone that I can identify with, and I'm sure all of you can as well. And I just love gleaning from his life. See, because again, when we look at someone like that, it helps to confirm the suspicion, but also the desire, the desire, okay, the desire that I have in my heart for you to rise up within the purpose and plans that God has for your life. Because I do believe all of you from birth and before, God was dreaming about your life and what you were going to do and how you were going to make a difference in the world in which you live right now. See, but we grew to understand as we see in David's life as well, that yeah, God has plans for you, but so does the enemy right? He has plans for you as well, and he wants to take you out. He wants to take out God's plans in your life. Like I was saying earlier, whenever you see some, some attack rise in your life, you can say, man, it's because I'm trying to go further with the Lord. And when you do that, you, you draw a target on your back. And what he does is he just starts shooting you with those fiery arrows. So guess what? You're moving in the right direction, and that's exciting, okay? So I believe this, but when we think about purpose, remember this is the reason for which something exists. You remember that? That it is done or created for, right? Something set up as an object to be attained as well when we think about that, the purposes of God in our lives. But then we have our preference. Again, we do not serve a dictator that does not allow us to think for ourselves and make a decision to follow him. Remember, this is the act of preferring. You see that as the power or opportunity of choosing also one who is preferred as well. And we want to get to the place where we prefer the Lord. So again, you've seen us come from the 23rd Psalm, this whole series, and we've loved it so much. I'm going to read it to you this morning. And what we're going to do today is capitalize on that last verse, number six. But let's start from the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember, we grew through David's life to understand, we grew to understand through this guy's life that we have a good shepherd. Remember that? John 10, 10 through 11. Remember the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You remember that? But he came so that we may have life. I love this. And that we may have it to the full. He said that I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See, we've been on this year-long journey, haven't we, with the shepherd? Last week, we discovered that we realized that we were able to walk with a shepherd through a year of his life as he led sheep. And we got to see so many great things that happens in the lives of sheep as they are with their shepherd. A lot of great stuff. And Philip Keller helped us to realize that as well as we were able to glean some insight from him. Remember, we want for nothing. So important to understand that in this world, when we are with our shepherd, we want for nothing. He leads us to life-giving pasture, to still waters that we can drink from. I love that. Even through the darkest valleys, he's present. He's present in the darkest valleys, and he is leading and guiding us with the rod and the staff, the word of God and the Holy Spirit 
within us, that he is preparing the table. Remember, it's that mountaintop place. He's preparing the table in the midst of our enemies. He's watching those that prey upon us. I love that. And he secures living water there that can flow from us as well. And last week, as we were at that mountaintop resort, do you remember that? The mountaintop resort where everything was just precious and wonderful. The greatest summer of our lives. We were together up there with the sheep. We still grew to understand that there will always be threats in any place, right? But he anoints our head with oil. And it's so important to remember that he anoints our head with oil, that we don't have to worry about the parasites and worry about the pests and don't have to worry about the disease because our Lord and Savior, the good shepherd, will anoint us with oil to protect us, right? See, in this journey, we, we can say and we have learned with great confidence this, the Lord is my shepherd and I am his sheep. Listen to me. You can say through this journey as you've journeyed with those sheep that the Lord is your shepherd and you are his sheep. This speaks to ownership. He owns you. He manages you. He cares for you. Are you with me? He comforts you. See, we end this understanding today that we are his. It's so hard, guys, when I've been struggling with stuff, you know, just in life, period. But as we, again, we're trying to push so many things forward as a church and take more ground for the Lord. I've had to say this to myself, that he is my shepherd. It's not by chance that the Lord led us to this, this series during this time. I'm telling you guys, listen to me. I'm telling you. Because I've had to say, you are my shepherd. As I prayed myself to sleep last night, tried to sleep for just a little while until Allie woke up not feeling well. You know how that goes. It's Saturday night in a pastor's house. The enemy is alive and well, okay? He, lo- he just loves to say, oh, you want sleep? Too bad. But listen, I, 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 he is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. And you can say the same thing this morning as you have journeyed with him. See, God's purpose, listen to me on this, for his sheep is to tr- for them to trust and believe in his comfort and his care for all time. When you think of owner, he's not a sh- he is not a shepherd that will sell you off when he can make money off your life. He's not a shepherd that will allow you to go through a dark valley by yourself so that you can die, that he doesn't have to care for you anymore. He is a good shepherd that is always with you because he owns you and he loves you. You are his prized possession. You are everything to him. You got to hear this. The world doesn't tell you that message. That's the other shepherd. That's the other field. We'll talk about that later. But your shepherd, your shepherd, the one that you said is my shepherd, he owns you and he bought you with a price. See, our preference though is to question and doubt his ability and choose our own shepherd. Have you, have you seen that before? You find yourself in a difficult situation and you're like, God, are you really able to get me through this? Do you really have, is your rod and your staff really capable of helping me through this situation? See, that's the preference factor to lean into what we think is the right thing, into our own abilities, into to go around us and create a circle of people that can help us versus looking to the good shepherd. All right? That is life. That is life. You are not in the wrong place. If you have been there or felt that way, that is normal. But what we do is not stay in that place and go to the right place with him, the good shepherd. What it means to us that we can trust regardless. That's why we can say, Psalm 23, 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember Deuteronomy 31, 6, the, the major part of this. 
is that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that we can be strong and courageous. I love that. It became a theme verse along with every verse we shared from this psalm because David understood this well, and we need to understand it as well as we talk about this understanding that it will follow us all the days of our lives. That regardless of what's going on, that good shepherd is with us, right? He is with us, and we can be strong and courageous because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we can say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd, for he is good and merciful, right? And my dwelling place. We're going to break that down over the next few minutes together. That he is good and merciful, and he is our dwelling place. Are you with me on that? Let's start, for he is good and merciful. So what does it mean? Now, for me, simple words have so much weight, I feel, like good and merciful. A lot of times we can just, just scan over words like this thinking, well, that's just in the, the, the typical human vernacular that we just use for, oh man, that food right there is good. Anybody with me? Man, that is good. Man, that, yo, that was good. You're get, man, that was good. I tell you what, we had a good day. What'd you do? Nothing. That was good. Or somebody will say something in there. You're like, man, that was good, bro. That was good. But merciful, you know, that one isn't as, as common, okay? But if we were to, to explain these better, uh, if we look at good, it is excellent and righteous. Excellent and righteous. Again, we are attaching these words to our good shepherd, so it makes a big difference here. Merciful, to be compassionate toward an offender. Whoa, this is carrying a little bit more weight, isn't it? When you think about mercy, being compassionate to someone who has been wrong and has done wrong and does not deserve compassion. Does this make a little more sense now about the love of the shepherd for his sheep? One who acts in kindness, favor, and compassion. Okay, this is, this will make sense later as to why this is so important from us to God, but also us to others. And again, it'll make sense. Someone that gives divine favor. See, like I said before, we are the Lord's prized possession as his sheep, but it's possession to us to realize that. Are you with me? You are his prized possession. Do you know that? Do you wake up in the morning and say, I am a child of the king? Do you wake up in the morning and say, I know who my father is? That might be a problem because life does not always end that way or that well, I should say, in, in, the, in the human and in the natural. But in the spiritual realm of your life, do you wake up in the morning and say, I have a good shepherd who will not leave me nor forsake me, who will walk with me. I am his prized possession. To him, I am beautiful. To him, I am amazing. To him, I am smart. Are you with me on this? You, you see what I'm going with this? Okay, so important to understand this. What he wants us to realize in this process is some key things. That I am his and not my own. I don't know about you, but that, that helps me. Because if I'm my own, I'm left to my own vices and my own decisions. And I basically mess up every time. One of the greatest things that's ever happened in my life was marrying Kara. Okay? Everybody who knows Kara and knows me and knows us and knows anything says amen. Okay? Because homegirl keeps it straight up in this boy's head. You see what I'm saying by this? And, and when, when I left my family and we, we cleaved together as one unit, okay? I enabled her to speak into my life. Are you with me on this? I enabled her to say things that others can't say. I welcomed her into places that no one else can be in my heart and my mind. Are you with me on this? And I realized that I'm not my own, but we are each other's. But an even greater, see, I can't help but to make that correlation because the love that we share, but also for him. 
when you think about it in your own life, that you're not your own, that you're his. And this will make even more sense later, that we are not our own, but we are his. And in that understanding, we believe that he's just, that he's right. See, he's able to extend mercy as the good judge because he's right and he's righteous. Are you with me on this? And that's okay to understand this. But I feel like as we conclude this series, we got to have some things just, you know, hammered into place. Because when we walk forward and knowing that he's with us every step of the way, we got to know what the relationship is supposed to look like as well. We have to realize that we can be confident in his care, that you can trust in his care, and that you can trust him with your life. That's hard to do, isn't it? Sometimes we situationally trust the Lord versus trust him with every situation. So important. I can trust him with my life, all my life. And this is why 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Like, what, what do you mean by this? See, we talked about goodness and mercy following us. Okay, this will make sense here soon. See, the work of the cross wasn't just for you, it's for others too. See, when we receive forgiveness, when we receive mercy, when we receive goodness that we did not deserve, we are then to extend it to others too. So you're on a journey with somebody, maybe you're taking a hike and everybody ran out of water. Okay, you find the water supply. Do you hoard it to yourself or do you share the water with others? You're like, yo, self-preservation, bro. I'm going to make it. I don't know about them. I just run faster. You know what I mean? You know, like the, the whole bear story. Whoever runs the fastest lives. Okay. Uh, no, we can't do that with the kingdom. We can't do that with the cross. Because what he gave to you, what you realized on this year-long journey with your shepherd is more than anything that you're supposed to give away what you have. The love that he gave you on that cross is something that you have to give to others too. We often forget that we are his and that what he did for us is supposed to be done for others. That the work of the cross is something he won't go back on. He did it once and he did it once and for all. And he won't go back on it, okay? He won't go back on it literally, but he won't go back on it figuratively as well because he did it. He did it so from that point on, it can continue through the lives of believers, okay, and those who don't believe yet. It was to bring life to this world, and so that goodness and mercy can follow us too. Are you with me now? We're talking about goodness and mercy that followed Jesus, but also goodness and mercy that's supposed to follow us. This will make sense in just a moment. See, sheep have the unique ability. This is really cool. They have the unique ability to clear a pasture, okay, have you ever watched goats eat or sheep even as well? But goats especially, you're like, those things are savage. There is something wrong with them, especially when you look in their eyes. I'm like, you're possessed, okay? You're, you're clearly possessed, all right? But they have the ability to clear anything. Have you noticed that people will, will actually just have goats in their yard instead of lawnmowers? Welcome to West Virginia. But in real life, people do that elsewhere too, okay? Because goats and sheep, they can clear they can clear some space. See, but also they can clear it for the good. They can get rid of those weeds. They can get rid of those things. But what's so important and is so, so integral in this is that we understand that it's the management of the shepherd that manages the sheep and the pastures that they are in. 
Okay, it's important because when we look at this, this understanding that they can clear a passage, I mean, clear a, a, a pasture, so can we. In people's lives, we can eat out the weeds, we can eat out the bad things, the thistles and the thorns, or we can just annihilate them completely. Listen, the question, and I think what we really got to get in our hearts, does goodness and mercy follow you too? Are you with me? Okay. Does goodness and mercy follow you too? The shepherd's goodness and mercy flows into our lives, but his goodness and mercy must flow out of your life and to the lives of others as well. What happens if you are a place where nothing flows out of? If water flows into your life and it doesn't flow out, it becomes stagnant, becomes that nasty little green pond. You know, on that, on that shepherd's land, you know what I'm talking about here? The same thing with the mercy and goodness that you receive. If it doesn't flow out of your life, it will die. We have to be a conduit of the Lord in this way, okay? Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet. You're like, ugh, I'm already checking out. Of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Prophet Isaiah is talking about the feet of those that bring the good news message, like John the Baptist, the one that proclaimed the message of Jesus, the good news message. I don't know about you. That is great news for me. And I think about this in life. You know, of course, feet are stinking nasty. Anybody with me on that? There's just keep them covered. Keep them covered. Let's just a general rule. Keep them covered. You're like, summer's a time where I wear flip-flops. Not everybody should do that. But what we're going to do is have mercy and goodness flow out of us in this situation, okay? <laughs> we're going to be sweet in this way. But think about this. I'm going to give you a slight little illustration here. Um, feet and the sound, the sound that they make, all right? Now, I, I'm a father of three, and what happens is our house is, again, at the bottom of what I'm saying by this, uh, everything flows downhill, which means there's people there all the time, okay, which is good. But what I'm saying by this, when they come inside, and, and we have these wood floors, okay, and, and then, okay, are you, are you starting to trek with me? And it's like, <laughs> is that a good sound when you're just, I don't know, maybe just living? <laughs> Let alone thinking, Okay. And you look at this, as soon as you hear the sound, okay, you know there's going to be a path behind them of something, good or bad or indifferent, something's going to happen to the, to the, to the, to the life that, that they've been running through. Are you with me on this? And you think about this, how about that messy roommate when they come in? Anybody? I'm not going to, because you might be in here with your roommate. If your roommate's your husband or wife, hey, we do pastoral counseling, um, we'll help you work through this, okay? But um, you think about the feet of those that walk through your life, what do they leave behind? Is it a blessing or a messing? Okay, are you with me on this? That literally just came off the cuff. <laughs> what trails do you leave behind you? Does goodness and mercy follow you? What's behind you? Look at this. You'll see, is it a trail of peace or turmoil? What follows you? We got to get real with this. Forgiveness? Or bitterness. What, what are people able to walk upon? In your, are you with me? What is it? Contentment or conflict? Okay. You're like, why are you being mean? I'm not. Joy or frustration? Love or hatred and hurt? What follows your life? What kind of trail are you giving people to walk upon? Because what you step in will be on their face. Are you with me on this? Where you walk and as they follow, what is on the ground will be on them. 
okay? Do you have to cover your tracks wherever you go? Right? When you look back, are there more burnt bridges or are there passageways over bodies of water and big gorges and blah, blah, blah? What's behind you? What are you doing with your life? What is goodness and mercy flowing in you and out of you in such a way that people can walk upon it? We are to go about doing good. That's what we're supposed to do. How, how do we know we should do this? Acts 10, 37 through 38. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He went about doing good. And this message wasn't just for those that were chosen. It was also for those that he wanted to choose in this time. Those non-Jew Gentile people that he wanted to experience the good news of what he came to do. You see, are you with me on this? And he was filled with God's spirit so that he could go out and proclaim this message. There was always a trail of good that followed Jesus. He exhibited mercy to those he encountered. He could have judged them right then and there, but he, he looked at them and he weighed the situation in such a way to say, look, what you need right now is mercy. Especially Gentile, you're already non-Jew, so that means you're already judged. Are you with me on this? The situation that you're in right now is already difficult for you. When you look at people's lives around, you can say the same. It's already, it's already hard for you. Listen, you've already been judged enough. Let me, let me just give you some good news. Can I give you good news? Can I, can I let you walk on the path with me and look behind me and, and have some goodness and mercy in your life? You see what I'm saying by this? He didn't condemn the save. The repentant heart, he forgave. Are you with me? He forgave. I like this. You can, you, um, you can communicate the gospel without excommunicating the listener. You can communicate the gospel without excommunicating the listener. So often, so often our message is so judgmental and so hateful, it doesn't say anything about journey with me. Walk with me as I walk with him. So often it doesn't say this. So often it says, well, you got this wrong, that wrong, this wrong, and that wrong. Our job is to welcome people into the good news message, not to push them away, to overlook faults. Listen, do you think Jesus overlooked your faults? I know he did mine. And I had a laundry list bigger than this whole place. Are you with me? He overlooked my faults. He overlooked my failures. And he said, mercy and goodness, my child. Come get in the flock. We as believers need to do the same for others too. Keller says this, the only real practical measure of my appreciation for the goodness and mercy of God to me is the extent to which I am in turn prepared to show goodness and mercy to others. How much you receive it, how much you appreciate it, are you with me? It's to the level that you will be able to give it to others. And you know this, for this reason alone, so many don't necessarily like the church. So many don't necessarily like Christians, right? When I was going through the hardest time of my life, I feel, well, I'd say one of them, but it was basically super big deal in college. And the first two years were great, but then all of a sudden the devil started, you know what I mean? Attempting blah, blah, blah. And, and I found myself in a really, really, really dark, hurtful place. 
And I looked around Christians around me, and I'm like, can you help me? Can you help me? And all I got was condemnation. All I got was judgment. Are you with me on this? At that moment in time, I needed someone to say, what's going on? Look, there, there's some stuff in your life that, that's, what's up? Listen, you, you don't have to live like this. You can walk with me. You can journey with me. I, listen, let me, let me show you some mercy. Let me show you some goodness that I've received. Are you with me? I could have been so much further in my faith, so much faster if I had people that really genuinely loved me for the faultful, crazy person that I was in that moment. We need to be that church so that people can come in. God blesses us, but we are also meant to bless him too. I love this perspective. Keller brought this up, that God blesses us, but we are also meant to bless him too. See, we have a heavenly father that loves us so much. He's blessed us with his goodness and mercy. We get that, okay? And it pleases him, okay? I love this. It pleases him and blesses him that we flourish under his management and care. I'm a father, as you know. Nothing makes me more happy than to see my kids grow up, be healthy, and do well. Nothing makes me more proud and more happy to see them to be productive citizens of this world. Okay, you guys have seen citizens of this world that probably shouldn't be, all right? But also citizens of his kingdom. Nothing makes me more proud, more happy to say, that's my children. Those are my babies. That's my kiddos. Nothing makes me more happy to hear from other people that say, hey, this is what your kids are doing. And it's actually good. You know what I mean by that? Because sometimes you hear stuff and you're like, oh, God. You just have to stage an intervention, okay? But there's nothing that makes me more proud of them. There's nothing that makes your Father in heaven more proud of you than when you bless him with your life flourishing under his comfort and care, but also that you are sharing that comfort and care, that mercy and goodness with others love too. 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. Small scripture, but so significant. We, we were able to love because he first loved us. I remember growing up and uh, family stuff wasn't too super easy for us. I mean, I'm super blessed, but it wasn't super easy, if you know what I'm saying. And I remember uh, my dad would say, well, you need to respect me. You need to respect me. Anybody ever hear that in your house? And the town, I mean, the tone was a lot louder and there was a lot going on around that situation. And, and, I, and I thought to myself, and I didn't really say it because I didn't want to cause even more. But you need to respect me. You need to respect me, dad, because I'm trying to respect you. But what's happening here, you know, I'm not feeling respect and I can't give respect if I don't. Okay. Now you're supposed to respect your parents. I get that. But we're also not to, to put our kids in a difficult situation or be so whatever, where they don't have the ability. Are you with me on this? And we think about this father's love that he first loved us. He first extended to us what he wanted from us. His love. The thing is, he wants us to take that love and give it to someone else so they can give it back to him as well. Great sacrificial love that he gave. And it took this love being given to us so that we can do the same for others. So with that, we go to the second part of the scripture. The Lord is my shepherd for he is my dwelling place. He is my dwelling place. Psalm 23, 6 We'll read it again. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. House. What does this mean? Typically, we think about the house of the Lord as a sanctuary or as a church, or you know what I mean, or a meeting place. But this is different when we think about it in shepherd terms. This is different. This is the home ranch. Remember, we've been on a journey, haven't we? 
The mountaintop season is over. We got to head back through the valley, back to our homeland, back to our ranch, back to the house, back to where we are under the shepherd's care for that winter with all the storms and all that it will bring. We are in his care, in his house, under his name. Are you with me? It's a different, it's a dwelling place. He is my dwelling place. It is the place of my comfort and care. As followers of Christ, this is so important, we should be able to boast of his goodness. Boast of his goodness. Why? Because we are in his house and we are his kids. What else should we do? Able to delight in what he's brought us through. See, you're talking about sharing your story and sharing his love with others. We got things to boast about. We have things to delight in. Are you with me? We have things to be confident in what? In Christ and his sacrifice. Confidence. No, but you guys, but that can lack in society because we place our confidence in the wrong things and the wrong people. But when we place it in him, we know that we will come out in the end with a shepherd and a friend. But also we need to be bold in the proclamation that we are his sheep. It's not very uh, popular these days to, to walk around and say that, yes, I'm a Christian. Absolutely, I'm a Christian. Why? Because we know what society has done to Christianity and those who claim to carry the same badge that you do. But we need to be bold in our proclamation that we are followers of Christ. Why? Because what he did in our lives. We don't do this as stripes on the sleeve. We do this as stripes on the back. Are you with me? And sacrifice. We do this to identify with him so that we can help others identify with him too. That's why we do this. It's not about us. That's what I'm telling you. It's about bringing others into this house as well. We can be confident in his care. This year-long journey that we have been on with him has been amazing because we've been able to say these things with, with boldness in our lives. But yet we come back to the home place, don't we? We come back to the, have you been there in life where it's just a wonderful season? Again, mountaintop experience, but then you come back and then it's winter. How many of you guys like winter? I've learned to love winter. Okay, I used to hate it. After fall, I would just be like, oh God, why did you take the leaves away? They were so beautiful. You know, why do I have to clean them up out of my yard? You know what I mean by this? But I begin to appreciate that season as well. Now, summer, I hate sweating to death. I hate it, but season. The beauty of a season is finding the beauty in the season. And this ability to look at these trees that are naked and bare, right? Knowing that growth is going to come again. That it's just a season. Are you with me on this? It's just a season, but you got to choose to find the beauty in the season. And you find it in the one who's walking with you through the season. We know that these trees again in spring will bloom. We know that they will, they will give us shade when the sun begins to beat down. You see what I'm saying with this? We know that they will give us this beauty in the fall with all the radiant colors that they will produce. I love fall. But we know that winter is coming again. But we know that on this journey, we are with him as our best friend and that he will never leave our side. But here's the conundrum. We come back and we look on the other side of the fence, okay? And we see the sheep of the other pasture. We know this, that he's going to be with us. We've learned this in this journey, but they don't know this yet. 
They look through the fence and they look at you coming back all radiant and excited and pumped because your shepherd took you on a journey. They never left the pasture. Their shepherd said, hey, someday we'll do it. Hey, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. It's going to be great. We're going to go on a journey. You're going to see this. You're going to see that. But he never does it. He keeps them there in that little home base, which isn't even home. He keeps them there in that place. And they never get to experience the fullness of what it's supposed to be like to be a sheep, but also to be a sheep under the good shepherd. And they look through the fence and they look at your life. Okay. And again, hopefully it shows this radiance and this excitement. And all they want is to get out. All they want is to get out any way possible. So much so Keller makes this observation of when he was a shepherd himself, that how, how the, the pastures were back to back and, and that they shared a fence, basically, if you will. And, and what would happen is these sheep would wait for the tide to come in. Okay, that tide to come in so that they could float up and go over to the other side. Okay, I don't know about you, but that's not the right way to get in the pasture. Because you know what? They were so not used to the pasture that they would just gorge themselves, eat so much that they would get sick and someone would even die because they weren't ready for it yet. Okay. See, we, we know this and I love this about scriptures that, that you have to, you have to get through there with the shepherd's permission. John 10, seven through nine. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Look, sheep, where are you at right now? You're with a thief and a robber, because he doesn't care. What is he stealing from you? All kinds of stuff. But the sheep have not lived the shepherd, but he's, they don't, they're not even worried about the shepherd anymore. This shepherd that was a false shepherd, one that said he was a shepherd, but he's not a shepherd. Because if he was a shepherd, he would care for his sheep. Are you with me? The voice is drowned out, and all they do is they look to that other field. And he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The only way to the good shepherd, the only way to, to God is through the gate, which is Jesus. There has to be a transaction that takes place. There has to be something that happens in their lives, a decision process. And my question and my thought here is, our lives should lead them to the gate. You shouldn't look at them on the other side of the fence and be like, that's your fault. You, you got yourself in a situation, you got to get yourself out. Good luck. Wait for the tide. If you make it over that, awesome. No, 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 no. Let me tell you about my shepherd. Let me tell you about who he is and his care and his comfort and how confident I am in it. And let me, let me see if he can buy you. Oh, he did. Let me see if he can buy you from your shepherd so that you can be with me and that he can get you to the place of health incrementally because that's what he does. He doesn't throw the sheep in the pen and say, eat away because he knows that you can't handle it all right in the beginning. You can't handle all that. Your stomach can literally not handle your spirit. It's so overwhelming. He says, walk with somebody. I'm going to set you up with this little sheep over here too. This one knows how to graze. And how, you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. This is making sense. We have to go through the gate because it's the right way. Every day we rub shoulders with those on the other side of the fence. What is our impact on them? Are our lives, okay, so satisfying so radiant and so serene. You're like, serene? Who is that? A tennis player? That's Serena. Okay. No. Are they so serene? Because this is a hard word to find in my life. Are you with me? Because it, it gets crazy sometimes. Is it so serene because we walk and talk with the Lord? Are you with me? Do others see the benefit of being under Christ's control and care because of your life? 
Do they see a reflection of Christ and our conduct and our character? You're like, why are you asking me so many questions? I just came here to get encouraged, man. You came here to understand that your life is not your own. You're owned by the shepherd, and others need to be owned by him too because it is the best life that they're supposed to live up under his care. And until you die to self, remember that? You pick up your cross daily and follow him. Goodness and mercy won't flow from your life. From Keller, it is the sheep's, the sheep owner's presence that guarantees there will be no lack of any sort, that there will be an abundance of green pastures, that there will be still clean waters, that there will be new paths into fresh fields, that there will be safe summers on high tablelands, that there will be freedom from fear, that there will be antidotes for flies and disease and parasites, and there will be quietness and contentment. That might mean more to people than anything because the world is racing around them and inside of them. And you have good news. Our team's going to come up as we conclude. You guys can make your way up. And I want to challenge you this morning. Are you allowing God's Holy Spirit to influence you in such a way that his inner voice speaks louder to anything, than anything else in your life? Because when it does, it helps us to respond the right way. His, his voice helps us to respond the right way. Harmony changes our behaviors. Are you with me? And puts harmony and promotes harmony within our lives. This happens as we give him control, management, and the allowance to direct us in all that we do. I'm going to end with this psalm, which actually was crazy because this was the verse of the day that just popped up this morning. Okay, if you have the Version Bible app, you may have gotten the same thing. Psalm 4-8, which is a psalm of David, and it's a song that he would play. Okay, are you with me? An instrumental song. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. He hears when we call to him. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent when you call to him. Then listen for him. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. Listen to this part. In peace, right, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Peace. Peace. I don't know about you guys, but this is the hottest commodity in the world. Right? Peace. And we, we, we go to great extents to try to find it. We go to great extents to try to create it. We go to great extents to, to try to fabricate it. For peace to be a reality in our lives, Jesus has to be the good shepherd. Are you with me? 
we try to figure this out, don't we? We try to get a better job. We try to change our, our major. You know what I mean? We try to have more kids. I mean, people do some wild stuff. We get married to people. We buy houses. We buy cars. We buy clothes. You, you, you get what I'm saying here? We, we go on new mental and thought adventures of, of being enlightened by this or that. You see what I'm saying by this? True peace is only found in the Prince of Peace. Peace is his kingdom. Peace is his language. Peace is what he brings. All we bring, remember this, is pieces. It's like that 500-piece puzzle. I can't figure it out. I could have 500, right? Let's go 5,000. Lord, 5,000 pieces. I can't figure it out. But I know that you'll help me piece by piece as I inherit your peace, as I receive. And I know that as I receive it, I'll be able to give it. That you will be with me all my days. That I can dwell in your house forever. I don't ever have to look from the other side of the fence. I get to be with you in your pasture. Are you with me? I get to dwell in safety. I get to dwell even in solitude with you. No interaction has happened. Just quiet. I get to be with you. I know that might sound like a far-fetched idea. You're like, dude, what are you talking about? It's like some psycho trip you're taking us on or you on drugs? No. It's my journey. When the world has storms just throwing them your way, Jesus will sleep in your boat. Because he knows peace because he is peace. And he'll bring it to your life every single day that you walk with him. Derek was saying earlier, so important. Finding him in your day, spending time with him in your day. Because he looks to bless you. He does. He looks to bless you, especially with peace. And he looks for you to be a blessing to him as you bless others. Think about David's life when he looks back. Do you think, do you think, I mean, do you think David looked back sometimes and like, man, I was so messed up. Was so I did so many stupid, terrible, horrific things, but somehow I know how I have peace. I gotta tell people, I gotta tell people peace. That's what we get when we journey with the shepherd. Every year it's new, every season it's new, every place we walk it's new because he's with us. So close your eyes for just a moment. And the number one question we ask every week because it is absolutely essential. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Will you be willing to follow him? You don't know everything. Welcome to the world. You don't have it figured out. Exactly. You think a little baby sheep has it all figured out? No, they just know who the shepherd is. And they believe that they're going to be fine when they're with him in the field. So the question I have is this. We've all sinned. That's understood. We all continue to sin. Yes, we're in a fallen world. 
But do you feel like you need to turn from that sin yourself and turn to him? Do you feel today that the Holy Spirit has just like nudged something in your heart that, man, I got I to gotta start doing this. This something he's talking about in this word, David, man, the life he, man, he, he knew something and I, I want to know it. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want goodness and mercy to follow you? Do you want peace? If you do, you'll find it in him. 